You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Thank you for the gathering of the family in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the stirring of each and every life to receive from your life. Right from within. We pray in the name of Jesus that everyone shall be full. Everyone shall hear right. Everyone shall understand right. There shall be clarity of expression. As I speak, let each and every life be edified because Jesus is glorified. There are no inaccuracies. There are no contradictions. The word of God shall be divided precisely and accurately in the knowledge of Christ, our light. We give you praise and we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So, one of the things about the gospel, which is actually the pillar of the gospel, is the fact that many people find it difficult regarding its simplicity. Many people find it very difficult to understand the simplicity of the gospel. So when you just tell people that all they need to do is to know that Jesus died, rose from the and they are saved if they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth. Eternally, they are saved. And it cannot be revoked. It becomes difficult. As simple as it is, it becomes quite difficult. Why? Because of the love of man, it becomes difficult to fathom amazing love, which is the love of God. Because for man, if you have to receive something, you have to duly work for it. So hard. And because of that, if a man is told that you just have to, re, to believe to receive, it's like, oh no, it's too easy. It's too simple. It's too good to be true. Secondly, they cannot fathom that it is eternal. That you are saved once and forever you are saved. Ah, how? Because everything that man does is temporary. The love of man is for a season. The love of man, when tested by situations, can faint. Can fade. So the way men react to situations, people think God reacts the same way. So they think because man is temporary in his dealings and understanding. God is also the same. So they don't believe that if you're saved once, it is forever saved. You are forever saved. Are you here with me? Okay. So, many people read scriptures in the light 
that if you are saved, you have to make sure that you don't do certain things. Otherwise, your salvation will be taken away from you. So many people sit in church, yet they feel condemned. They feel guilty. They are damned. And they can never, ever come to grasp that they have been saved forever. And you've seen people who have been in church for a long time, enslaved by certain people, whether they are prophets, whether they are pastors, whether they are popes, whether they are bishops, whoever they are, they all admit that they fall short one way or the other. Yet, they can categorize some people and say they have lost their salvation because they did something that they themselves can even do. Or they've been doing. Or they do other things. Are you hearing me? So, we are going to look at certain scriptures that would make you deepen your conviction in the fact that when you are saved, once you confess Jesus, you are saved forever. And so if you see any scripture, that seems like you are not saved forever, you have to look at it again. You have to do what? Say it after me. You have to do what? You have to do what? So we are going to investigate certain scriptures. That seems like your salvation can be taken away from you. Or you have to do something to achieve your salvation. Praise God. All right. One of such books in the Bible that is very difficult for most Christians to treat is the book of Hebrews. Why? Because of what the books of Hebrews is all about. So we are going to look at the first scripture. Hebrews 3, 14. We're going to do exegesis on that scripture. Exegesis is investigating scripture. Is what? Now, scripture explains scripture. Say after me. Say it again. So, it is scriptures that explain what? Scriptures. So, we're going to use scripture to explain what? The scripture. Are we all clear? Okay. So, Hebrews 3.14 exegesis. We are not going to bring our own understanding into the scripture. We are going to allow the scripture to explain what? Itself. That is what you call exegesis. It means you stand outside of it to let the scripture what? Speak for itself. So, you don't come into it. You don't bring your opinions into scripture. Is that very clear? Good. Now, first of all, let's get an understanding to a few things. Hebrews 1, 1 to 2. We're starting with the first chapter and the first two verses. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 2. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers. Everybody say the fathers. By the prophets. Okay. Has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Whom he has appointed heir of all things. Through whom also 
he made the worlds. Through whom also he made the worlds. So, observe that the writer speaks of the fathers and now speaks of us. Did you realize that? Did you see it there? At various times, in various ways, spoke in time past to who? To who? You are going to be doing this with me, so you have to be attentive. Is that very clear? Thank you. The fathers. Mm -hmm. Has in this last day spoken to us. Is it clear? So you see, the fathers were spoken to. And then, he said, speaks to what? Us. Okay. So the us would definitely be referring to the descendants of the fathers. True or false? So it means that Apostle Paul was speaking to a group of people who, eh, sorry, not Apostle Paul, the Hebrew writer. Is that very clear? Yes. The Hebrew writer was actually speaking to who? To who? Descendants of who? The fathers. Is that very clear? Okay. Because if the writer said, spoke to the fathers, and now to what? Us. Then there must be a connection between us and who? The fathers. So the people he was talking to, are you getting the point? Are descendants of who? The fathers. Is that very clear? Okay. Don't put yourself there. He was not speaking to you directly. He was speaking to the Hebrews. Is that very clear? So it's not yet time to put yourself there. We are talking about the first recipients who were listening to him whilst he was talking or who he was addressing the letters. What? Is that clear? Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Now, we'd observe that the writer speaks of the fathers again in Hebrews 8, 9 to 10. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. Hello? With their what? In the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they continued not in my covenant. So watch this. Both the author and his audience, you can see, are from the same natural lineage. Is that very clear? They are Jews or Israelites. Is that settled? Is that very settled? So they are from the same biological lineage. Now, observe some key words of the author. The fathers, Hebrews 1.1. God at various times in diverse manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now, he also used the word brethren. Brethren. Look at Hebrews 3. 12, and then Hebrews 7, 5. Hebrews 3, 12, Hebrews 7, 5. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Hello? So he's speaking to who? He's speaking to who? Brethren. Is that clear? If I'm talking to you, I say, brothers. It means we are all from the same world. Lineage or spiritual lineage. Is that very clear? Is that clear? Yes. <laughs> okay. Look at Hebrews 7, 5. Verily and verily that they are the sons of Levi who received the office of the priesthood have a, co a covenant to take tithes of the people according to the law. That is of their, of their, 
of their brethren. Though they come out of the loins of Abraham. I want you to note all of these. Is that very clear? Look at another word he used. People of God. Write it down. He used another word, people of God. So we have looked at fathers. We have looked at what? Brethren. We are also looking at what? People of God. So certain terminologies that he used. And you are going to understand why he was using those terminologies. Is that very clear? Hebrews 4.9. Hebrews 11.25. There remained therefore a rest to the people of God. So you see people of God there. Oh, do you see it there? Okay. 11.25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction. He's talking about Moses. Huh? Moses chose to suffer affliction with who? With who? The people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Alright? Okay, good. We all know that people of God represents the Israelites. Is that true? They were the chosen people of God. All right. So it is evident, therefore, that the writer is a Jew. Clear. Is that very clear? And so was his audience. Clear? Okay. Now, when you read through the entire book of Hebrews, you discover his audience were comprised of, number one, there were Three categories of people he was speaking to. Three, believing Jews, believing Jews. So Jews who have become what? Believers, okay? In other words, they have entered into the rest of God. They have entered into what? Okay, so believers who are saved, they have entered into what? God's what? Rest. And we know that salvation, true or false. Okay, good. So, let's check. Hebrews 4, verse 2. And then Hebrews 10, 39. For unto us was the gospel preached. Can you see us again? Eh? Okay. Was the gospel preached? As well as unto what? Them. Is it clear? So, us and the fathers. Can you see the link? Okay, good. But the word preached did not profit them. So, th the fathers. Is that very clear? Okay. Not being mixed with faith in them that had it. So, he's saying that the gospel was preached to them, but they didn't believe. That same gospel was also preached to what? Us. But we have what? Good. Look at the 39. 10, 39. Hebrews 10, 39. Write them down. Follow carefully. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Hello? So, can you see the we? Speaking to the fact that he, the writer, is inclusive with some people there who have believed. Is that very clear? Okay. So, we have believing Jews there, who are saved. Is that very clear? Let's go to the second category. We have unbelieving Jews who have heard and yet not believed. They have heard the gospel, but they have not what? Believed. Hebrews 3.12. Hebrews 3.12. Everybody say context. Say context. 
Before you can understand a scriptural text, you must understand the context in which it was being what? Written. Before you can understand whatever I'm saying, you can understand it within the context I am teaching. True or false? So if anybody comes in and doesn't understand the context, they can misunderstand me. If they were not here for me to say I am treating exegesis on Hebrews 3.12, and they heard me talking about Hebrews 1.1, they can get missing because they don't understand the context. Is that very clear? Okay. So let's look at the unbelieving Jews right there within the group the writer was talking to. Hebrews 3.12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So this group are not saved. True or false? So you see, he called them brethren. But you can see the brethren there is not spiritual that they are believers. He's calling them brethren as what? As what? As Jews, they are brothers from the same lineage. Is that very clear? Do we all understand? Okay. Hebrews 4.1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being, being left of us in entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Hello? We said, entry into his rest is salvation. So he's now telling them, we have the promise. But if you are not careful, you will miss the promise. It means they are not what? Saved. Is that very clear? Understood. Hebrews 10, 27, 29. We'll be looking at this text in particular, very, I mean, maybe next two weeks. Hebrews 10, 27 to 29. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorrow punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified and holy thing and has done despite unto the spirit of grace. So most of people... <laughs> Most people take this verse and they think, you see, they think that he was speaking to who? Believers. But can you see he was speaking to unbelievers? Eh? How do you see that? Mm -hmm. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Next, of how much sorrow punishment, suppose he, mm -hmm, shall he be taught worthy? Who has what? Trotting under what? Mm -hmm. And has what? Wherewith he was. This place wherewith he was sanctified, most of people <laughs> read it and think that the people have already been. No. Everybody, including unbelievers, have already been made provision for. Their sins have been forgiven. They are the ones who have not just what? Received it. Is that very clear? So, the first two statements should make you understand what he's talking about. I'll go into it. 
He's doing a comparison. They rejected the law of Moses. They despised it. They didn't take heed to it. In the same way, these people have not taken heed to the Son of God. Encountered his blood as not nothing. So they cannot be saved. Praise God. So he's speaking to who? Unbelieving. That's why he said, has done despite unto the spirit of what? Grace. In other words, these people are still walking in the law. They have not heeding to God's grace, which comes through who? Jesus Christ. Is that very clear? Is that very clear? So they, he's talking to unbelieving what? Jews. Okay. Let's go to the third group. So we have looked at the first group. The first group are, groups are what? Believing Jews. The second group? Okay, now let's look at the third group. Unconvinced Jews. Unconvinced Jews. Hardened who do not believe. They are what? Hardened who do not believe. Hebrews 2, 3. Hebrews 3, 16 to 19. And then Hebrews 10, 29 again. Can we go? Hebrews 2, 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. You see that first, when you read the scripture, you thought he was talking to believers because you saw what? Us. Are you getting it? But now you know he was talking to his brethren. Is that very clear? <laughs> okay. Let's go to the next. Hebrews 3, 16 to 19. For who having heard rebelled indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned? Whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest? But to those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of what? So they didn't enter because of and be so the sin the sin was the sin of what and be is that very clear so why didn't they enter the promised land they did not believe is that very clear they did not what believe okay. so you can see he's talking to a group who did not also what believe thank you hebrews 10:29 of how much sorrow punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who had trodden upon a underfoot, the son of God, and has counted the blood of the covenant, which he was sanctified, an unholy thing. So, if he was talking about people who are believers, and they believe that they have been sanctified, how do they regard the sanctification as unholy thing? So, he's talking about sanctification as the work done by Christ. But these people don't believe it. And these are some of the things that you must understand. When you go to preach, you don't go to preach against people's sins. You go to tell them that their sins have already been forgiven. And that they should receive what has already been given. Praise God. So Christ has forgiven them. Christ has sanctified them. But they must receive the sanctification. By receiving forgiveness of sins. Is that very clear? Okay, good. So, what was his objective then? 
What was his object, objective? Number one, convince some of the faith because they were believers. Number two, assure others of their faith. So those who have heard but have not truly believed, to assure them of their faith. And then three, warn others of their rebellion. Warn others of their rebellion. So number one, to convince some of their faith. So those who have believed, uh, they have heard but don't believe. Assure others of their faith. Those who have believed. Warn others of their what? Rebellion. Is that very clear? Okay. So now we have seen the context in which Apostle Paul was writing. Are we clear? We know that he himself is a Jew. And he was writing to three categories of Jews. Those who have heard but have not believed. Those who have not believed at all. They don't believe. And then those who have believed. Is that clear? Alright. So now let's go to Hebrews 3.14. Hebrews 3.14. So we're going to see what the issue is. What are we dealing with? What is the real issue? So let's look at the text carefully. Everybody go. For we mm -hmm, have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. So what is this text suggesting? If you read it facially, what is he saying? Mm -hmm. eh? That you keep your salvation. Yes. No working out. Mm -hmm. Working for. Not working out. Working for. True or false? For we have become partakers of Christ if, if we what? So who is the one to hold? The what? Beginning of our what? Confidence. Mm -hmm. Steadfast to the end. So I am the one who must hold to my what? Salvation. Otherwise I will do what? I'll lose it. <laughs> so, this is what he says. Write it down. That's what it looks like. When a man holds fast the beginning of his confidence steadfast to the end, then he would be a partaker with Christ. When a man holds fast the beginning of his confidence steadfast unto the end, then he would be made a partaker with Christ. Now, you and I know that we don't have any part in our salvation. We did not do anything. God worked it out for us. Praise God. Who worked it out for us? God. And that's why we are looking into the scripture. So that we don't get confused when we read it. And then it begins to affect our faith. Are you getting the point? Very important. Very important. Good. So we are going to start. From Hebrews 3 verse 1, you know it already. That when you want to do good exegesis, you want to understand a text, you must first go to what? The pre-text. So we are going to as far as Hebrews 3 verse what? 1. And then we'll come to the what? Post-text. To understand what he's saying, then we can now come to what? The text itself. Is that very clear? Beautiful. So, Hebrews 3, 1. Therefore, holy brethren, 
partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So let's look at the word holy. Did you see the word holy there? Okay. The word holy is the word hagios from the Greek. H-A-G-I-O-S. Hagios. It means to set apart. Sacred. To sanctified. To sanctify. Now the word sanctified was used four times in the entire book of Hebrews. Three out of times was used for believers. Three out of time was used for what? Believers. So Hebrews 2 verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them what? Brethren. Alright? Hebrews 10.10. 10. For that will we have been, by that will we have been what? Sanctified. Through the offering of what? The body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering he has what? Perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Is that very clear? Now, the word brethren is the word Adelphos. Adelphos. Because you see in the text, holy brethren, right? Did you see it in Hebrews 3, 1? Therefore, holy brethren. Not always used for believers. Not always used for believers. It was used again in verse 12. Where we saw that the writer was speaking to unbelievers. Did you realize that? Beware brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of what? Unbelief. In departing from the living God. Is that very clear? Okay. So... Here, the brethren was not referring to believers. It was referring to biological lineage. Is that very clear? Good. Look at Acts 2, 29 and 41. Here, Peter referred to them as brethren because they were from the same lineage. They were Jews. Is that clear? Okay. So we know that if those... The Hebrew writer was referring to where believers or unbelievers would have to read in context to find out. So, we will come back to this again. Is that very clear? Okay. Let's look at the word partakers. Everybody say partakers. Oh, say partakers. He said, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of what? The heavenly calling. So, we are looking at the word what? Partakers. Say partakers. Is the word metokos in the Greek. Say metokos. Oh, say metokos. Used three times in the entire book of Hebrews. We see it in Hebrews 3.14, Hebrews 6.4, Hebrews 12.8. 3.14, 6.4, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Hello? This is the Hebrew 3.14 we are looking at. Is that clear? So partakers was used here. True or false? Let's go to the next one. 6.4 For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tested the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. 
You see the word partakers again? Metacourse. Okay. But if you are without chastening, Hebrews 12, 8, of which all have become partakers, then you are what? Illegitimate and not what? Sons. Okay, good. Now, the word partakers are, is normally used in respect of the high priesthood of Jesus. And what he has accomplished by his death. Is that very clear? Burial and resurrection. Okay. Now, anytime they are using partakers, what it means is that Christ has finished something. And what he has finished has been accrued to you. Amen. And therefore, you become a partaker. It is like somebody working and dying to live an inheritance. You become a partaker of the work that they have done and its effect. Although you didn't what? Work. Is that very clear? So you didn't work. But because you are an heir to whatever has been done, you become a partaker of the reward of what they did. Is that very clear? It is accrued to you. Is that clear? Okay, good. So, Wherever you see this word, you see that the finished work of Christ. In other words, Christ, our high priest, who has accomplished so much for us to receive salvation and not die. The penalty of death paid. The penalty of sin paid for us is always spoken about. Amen. All right. So you see this in Hebrews 1.10. No, sorry, 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 sorry. Hold on. Sorry, hold on. I left one thing. When it's exegesis, some of it's very important. No. The word heavenly and heavens. Please write it down. After partakers, you have the word what? Heavenlies. Is that clear? Yes, heavenlies. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly what? Calling. So the word heavenly. We are looking at the word heavenly. And sometimes heavens is used. It's euporanios. Heavenly, euporanios. And then oranos, respectively. Euporanios and then oranos. Is that very clear? Are we okay? So good. Now, where you see the word heavenly, where it's connected to what we partook of, you will see the high priesthood. Is that very clear? Because what we partook of are heavenly gifts. That's why when people connect natural things to our salvation, they are getting it wrong. Because natural things belong to all of us. Every human being, whether you are Buddhist, whether you are Muslim, you can get rich. You can give birth. You can marry. But the gifts that have been given us, for which we are partakers of, are heavenly things. Are what? Are what? Heavenly things. So wherever you hear the word heavenly or heavens, in the book of Hebrews, it comes with a high priesthood work. Amen. Okay, good. So you see them in Hebrews 1.10, write them down. Hebrews 4.14, write them down, they are there. Hebrews 4.14, Hebrews 6.4, Hebrews 7.26, Hebrews 8.1 and 5, Hebrews 9.23, Hebrews 11.16, and then Hebrews 12, 22. So you realize that in our text, Hebrews 3, 1, 
where we are looking at the various concepts of the word, you will see that even the next, it says that consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So in the moment he used heavenly calling, he said, consider the who? Apostle and high priest of our confession. So the high priesthood work always came after heavenly or heavens is used in the book of Hebrew, in the book of what? Hebrews. Is that very clear? Yeah. Now, the word consider was translated from the Greek word katanu, katanu, or katanu, to observe fully. K-A-T-A-N-O-E. K-A-T-A-N-O-E. To observe fully. Hence, the writer was pointing the attention to Christ Jesus. So the focus should be on who? Christ. Why? Because he's the one who has done all the work. Is that very clear? If the focus should be on us, then it is because we are the ones who have done the work. Or we are the ones who are doing. But he said, consider. Are you getting the point? Hey, is that clear? Christ Jesus, our high priest. So he's the one we consider, not ourselves. Is that very clear? Okay, all right. So his resurrection, ascension, and all that he did. His rest. Look at Hebrews 3.18. Write it down. Eternal salvation. Hebrews 5.9. Eternal inheritance. Hebrews 9.15. Sanctification and perfection forever. Hebrews 10.14. Is there. Is there on the board. Look at it. Yes. It's there on the screen. Remissions of sins. Hebrews 10.18 which are received by faith in the gospel. Hebrews 3.19 and then Hebrews 4.3. So you can see his rest. Hebrews 3.18, eternal salvation. Hebrews 5.9, eternal inheritance. Hebrews 9.15, sanctification and perfection forever. Hebrews 10.14, remissions of sins. Hebrews 10.18, which are received by faith in the gospel. Hebrews 3.19 and Hebrews 4.3. Can you see that all these things are heavenly things? Did you see any material thing there? Did you see money there? Did you see marriage there? Did you see work there? Oh, are you here? So all these things are heavenly things. Say heavenly things. Oh, say heavenly things. You see, these are things that money can never buy. And these are things that takes you into eternity. And these are things you receive when you receive the gospel. And you receive them once and for all. And nobody can take them from you. Praise God. Are you understanding? Change your values. Tell them to change your values. If you are talking about the valuables of life, consider this. That's why he said, consider Christ Jesus. The high priest. Consider him. He worked this for you. Hello. So, you can realize that the Hebrews 3.1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly word, calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. He was talking to who? Beautiful. He was talking to who? He was talking to believers who have partaken of the heavenly word, calling, and were sanctified by Christ Jesus. Let's go to verse 2. Hebrews 3, 2. We are looking at the preceding verses 
to Hebrews 3.14. Clear? Is that very clear? Okay, good. Then we can understand Hebrews 3.14 well. Is that clear? Good. Let's go. Verse 2. Who was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was faithful in all his house. So he now refers to Moses, his faithfulness. Comparing that to Christ's faithfulness. Is that clear? Okay, good. Verse 3 and 4. For this one who has been counted worthy, I want you to note clearly. Can you see that the faithfulness he's talking about, he never talked about your faithfulness. The one who gave the law, he spoke about the faithfulness of the one who gave the law. Who is who? And also spoke about the one who gave grace. His what? Faithfulness. Your faithfulness didn't come in there. <laughs> Are we building? Get it clearly. Okay. Let's go. So verse 3 and 4. Go. For this one has been counted worthy of what? More glory than who? Moses. Mm -hmm. Inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. <laughs> is that very clear? Good. For what? Every house is built by someone, but he who built all things, you, you, oh, you, you did some, and he did some, but who built all things? Ooh, are you getting it? So you didn't build anything. He built. All right. Let's go to 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice. The word today there is not today here. He's talking about this dispensation. Is that very clear? <laughs> Is that very clear? Uh -huh. Do not harden your hearts as in what? The rebellion. In the day of what? Trial in the... So he refers them to the Old Testament. The, their fathers. Can you start? He started with what? The fathers. And then the descendants. So you can see that everything that is being written... Is spoken in reference to their fathers and their descendants. Is that clear? That's why you can see the covenant of the old and the covenant of what? The new. God spoke to our fathers in various times and various ways. The Old Testament. Now spoken to us. The now is not like right now. This dispensation has spoken through his son. Is that very clear? Is that very clear? So you can see right here, he's pointing them back. That therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the world, like in the days of our what? Fathers. Clear. Okay, let's look at the verse 9. So you know that I'm telling you the truth. Go. So he see, he brings it in. <laughs> Where your fathers tested me, uh -huh, tried me, and what? Saw my works 40 days. We've treated this, you know that. They saw all the miracles, yet they did not what? Believe. 
That's what he meant by saw my works 40 years. He saw all the miracles. He never believed. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I was what? Angry with that word generation. In other words, judgment. Sin and its word consequence. Good. They always go astray where? You see the problem? So the problem is what? Where do we believe? So the problem has not changed though. The problem is still a heart problem. Believe. Come, come on, let's go. Go. They always go astray in their heart and they have not known what? They have not known my ways. So like we are, what we are treating on Sundays, you can see clearly that the law had nothing to do with God. The laws has nothing to do with God. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Okay, is that very clear? Okay, now, he now quotes Psalm 95, verse 7 to 10. For he is our God, and we are his people, the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear my voice. So he quoted from where? Psalm 95. Do you get it? Oh, is that clear? Okay, as in the day of trial. In the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me. They saw my works. For 40 years, I was grieved that, with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and do, they do not know my ways. I told you that you would never see anything quoted in the New Testament that was not in the Old. Because when they were speaking, they didn't have the Bible. So the Old Testament was their Bible. <laughs> Is that very clear? So the gospel is in the Old Testament. It is only explained in the word new. That's it. It's a continuation. Is that very clear? Good. So you can see historically he was referring to the children of Israel, the fathers uh, 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 and your fathers. Are you getting the point? Uh, Hebrews 8, 8, 9. In Kadesh Barnea. We all know Kadesh Barnea. I've spoken about it. Numbers 14. It was the place where they were brought the gospel and they rejected the gospel. God told them that uh, he has given them the promised land. They should go and possess it. It was a typification of salvation, entering into God's rest. Are you getting it? Yes. And they decided they don't believe it. Hmm? As a matter of fact, they themselves asked that um, they want to send spies. It's not God who asked them. They themselves. So we don't trust what you are saying. Moses, give us spies from all the tribes. Let's go and try the place and see if we can take it. When God said, go and do what? Take it. When they went, then they came back with a bad report. Said so the people there, all of them are giants. And the people, he said, the land eats people. That statement, I never forget it. Have you seen land that eats people before? He, eat, he didn't even say he eats people. He, the land eats its own people. You know, it's like telling you, we are not going to venture this. Yeah. We're not going to venture this. And it's so difficult when you're leading people and they can't trust God together with you. It's, it's, a, it's one of the most frustrating things of every leader. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead. So look at Hebrews 4.7. He repeated it there too. Again, he limited a certain day saying in David, today, after so long a time... As it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Is that very clear? Okay, you note Hebrews 4, 1 to 2, what he's referring to. Let's therefore, let's a promise, say a promise, being left 
as of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So you see the event he was talking about. When the spies came to speak to them, that was the gospel. Praise God. They rejected it. See, they rejected it. Is that very clear? God told Moses specifically, tell them to go and possess the land. They themselves said, we are going to spend, send uh, spies. The spies came. Two brought a good report. Ten said, it's not possible. So the ten and all their descendants never entered the promised land. Are you here with me? It was just with Caleb and who? Joshua. Okay. So what, why did they not enter? Unbelief. Unbelief. Say unbelief. Praise God. All right. But verse 3 tells us that those who believe, what happened to them? Let's go. Verse 3. Hebrews 4 3. Go. For we, mm -hmm. which have what? So you see that the writer is saying we, which have what? So there were people he, were, he was also referring to in the group that what? Have believed. Do what? Enter into what? So we know that entering to God's rest comes by what? All right. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into the rest, although the works, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, Genesis 1, verse 1 to 3, the works were what? Finished. God actually planned salvation. Before he started, he made provision for your fall. So God elected you even before you fell. He's a good God. Oh, he's a good God. Look at Hebrews 3.19. Let's all read it. Go. What do we see? Oh, no. Let's read like a church. Go. So why didn't they enter? Okay, that's why the 4-2 says that the gospel was preached to them, but they, they did not believe it, right? They didn't mix it with what? Faith, when they heard it. Write this down. The rest is in this context, means salvation. Hebrews 1-14, Hebrews 2-3, Hebrews 10, Hebrews 5-9, Hebrews 6-10. It's all there. Write them down. So you can see specifically that Hebrews... 3, 10 to 11 was referring to those who are yet to believe, true or false. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart and have not known my way. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. Now let's go to verse 12, Hebrews 3, 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of what? Unbelief. In what? Departing from the living God. How does one depart from God? <laughs> Did he talk about you not doing something? Eh? No. No. If you do not be, you depart from who? God. So anybody that has departed from God what sin did they commit? Unbelief. All right. So, 
The brethren here was not referring to believers. You can see that it flows from the discourse from 7 to 11. Your fathers. Is that correct? And he used the same word fathers again. Hebrews 1, 1, we've done it. Hebrews 8, 9. Hebrews 12, 9. I won't read them. So the brethren there is referring to lineage, descent, heritage as Jews. Warning them not to follow the same example as their fathers in Kadesh Barnea. Correct? Is that correct? Yes. Calling it what? An evil heart of unbelief. We have treated this. An evil heart of what? How do you call that? Sclerocardia in the Greek. A difficult, stubborn heart. Sclerocardia. Okay. All right. So you can see that he was addressing unbelieving Jews from whom he also came from the same descent with. Is that clear? Okay. So to depart from the living God was not referring to losing one's salvation. Clear? But rather unbelief in the gospel. Clear? Because he referred to their hearts as what? As what? Evil hearts. Does a believer has evil heart? What heart do they have? The heart of who? God, Christ. Is that clear? Yes. All right. His language was, lest any of you be what? Hardened. He did not say we. Any of you. He did not include himself. We. Are you getting it? So he was talking to unbelieving Jews because he writing was a believer. Is that very clear? So he was not talking to the believer, but the unbelieving Jews. So the issue with the fathers that did not enter into God's rest, which is God's promise, salvation, was unbelief in the gospel. Preach to them in different times through different media or manners. Hebrews um, 1, 1 to 2. Is that clear? Oh, is that very clear? Now let's continue. Let's look at the proceeding. Or protest now. Is that clear? We've done with the pre-text. Let's look at now the post-text or the proceeding. Okay? The pre-text can be called the preceding text. It's the same thing. The post-text can be called the proceeding word text. Is that clear? So we are going to Hebrews 4. Everybody go to Hebrews 4. 2. Hebrews 4. 2. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the writer now speaks of an us. Can you see that? The descendants of the them, the fathers, in chapter 1, 2, 3, 10, and 11. Is that very clear? Kindly notice the verse 3. For we, do you understand that now? For what? For what? So the ass was referring to descendants. And then he comes to specify, we have believed do enter into rest. Is that very clear? So the writer changes the tone. Did he? For we which have believed do enter into what? Rest. Therefore, in the audience of the writer were some who had believed and some who had not believed and those who were not yet come. Vinced. Is that clear? Look at 4.11. Let us labor therefore to enter into the rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. The word labor used to enter into that rest 
is explained in verse 2. Unbelief. Hey, believe, sorry. Is that very clear? So it is to believe in what? The gospel. Those who labored, their labor is what? Believe. The work that the believer does is to what? Believe. Peter, uh, uh, Thomas, what, what did Jesus tell him? Eh? What? Eh? Blessed is the one who has not seen but what? Yet believe. So the work we do is to, the work we do is to praise God. That's all. We believe. Because he's the one who does the work. So those who don't believe fall after the example of their fathers. Is that very clear? Good. So the 411 was a statement made relative to the response of a man to the gospel of Christ. All who do not believe fall after the pattern of unbelief. All who believe have entered into the rest, saved, and has a great high priest who has passed into the heavens. Is that very clear? Let's go back to Hebrews 3.14. So he says, dear holy brothers, eh? partakers of what? The heavenly calling. The apostle hmm? of your high priest and the profession of your what? Faith. Now, do you see that he starts with four? Oh, hello? Did you see that? He started with what? Four. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yes, who can tell me? Four. Eh? As a result of good. So it means that he has said something before. Is that very clear? So it means that we must check out the verse 7 to 13. Are you getting it? Hmm? Is that clear? Look at something. Watch. For we have become partakers of Christ. What? Say if. If we... Hold the beginning of our confidence, what? Steadfast to the end. So, there are three words used by the writer. We need to examine them. If, partakers, and what? Confidence. Say confidence. Okay, so the word was firstly used in chapter 13, verse 1, where we have explained that the word partakers was translated from the Greek word, what? Metokos. Do you remember? It was used three times. We said that. Hebrews 3.1, Hebrews 3.14, Hebrews 12.8. And in the three instances, it was used for who? Believers. In the context of the verse 1. Also in chapter 3, the writer was referring to who? The believer. Is that very clear? Then, the word confidence. The word confidence was also used in verse 6. It was translated from the Greek word par, parhesia. Parhesia. Write it down. Okay. Parhesia. It implies a freedom of speech. The ability to speak freely. And anytime the writer uses the word par parhesia, it comes with an instruction. It comes with what? So you have Hebrews 3.6. Hold fast the confidence of your, or the profession. Is that clear? Yeah. Hebrews 4.16. Come boldly before the throne. Hebrews 10.35. Cast not away your eh? confidence. Hello? So the word, the word boldly is the same word used there as what? Confidence. Parsia. Is that clear? In Hebrews 10.35, when he used the same word, Parsia, he speaks of a reward. 
Clear? Okay. So notice the writer used the same word confidence in Hebrews 4, where, like I said, he translated this as boldly or boldness. What did he mean? By come boldly or with boldness. Let's go to Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest of what? By the what? By the blood of what? Jesus. So how was this boldness obtained? Good, students. How was this boldness obtained? By the blood of Jesus. Hence, we are not to have boldness or confidence to believe. But rather, we have confidence and boldness because what? We believed. Does it, does it make sense? Let's go back to Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore, brethren, what? Boldness to do what? Enter into what? The holiest. How do we enter? By the blood of what? Good. So we enter because we have been made bold in redemption. Is that clear? But we don't obtain the boldness before we do what? Is that very clear? Okay. So we can come boldly because we have believed. We are not to first have boldness then believe. That's why the writer always gives instruction every time he uses the word. Like I said, thus, if you can come with, with it. Hold fast to it. Cast it not away. That means it is something you already have. Does it make sense? If it is not something you have, you need to first acquire it and then you can come. But because you have it, he says, now do what? Is that very clear? Okay, so look at how Hebrews 3.14 was written in the Amplified Version. For we have become fellows with Christ. Did you get that? Partakers, he used what? Fellows with Christ. And share in all he has for us. If only we hold our first newborn confidence and original assured expectation. In virtue of which we are believers. Firm and unshaken to the end. Clear. Is that, is that clear? Look at NLT. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God, just as firmly as we have first believed, we share in all that belongs to Christ. Did you get it? Are you sure? Read it again. Everybody go. So is he saying that we are to do the work? Eh? What do we do? Did he say we will lose our salvation? But what has been already made available for us to be full partakers, we must what? Believe. Do you get it? He never said we were going to lose our word. Like the way the first was telling us in the NKJV. Are you getting it? Now, the word if, therefore, will not meet something conditional. Rather, something we believers are partakers of. Say we are partakers of. Say it like you mean it. Did you realize that he said that we are fellow sharers? We are fellows with Christ. So you and I are fellows. 
So we are already in it. So it's not something that can be taken from us. So the word if there, if you put the word since there, it changes the whole narrative, right? So that you can better understand the text. Everything we have looked at speaks clearly to the fact that the salvation we already uh, we have been given is not takeable. We didn't do any work. Christ did all the work. Christ was the one who is our high priest. We saw that Moses was the Lord giver, and so he did the work. True or false? He was faithful. Christ, grace giver, he was faithful. Is, is, that, is that correct? So we are not the ones. It is not our faithfulness. It's the faithfulness of who? Christ. But what we do is to be, and when we believe all that is in Christ, we become partakers what? Of. Is that very clear? Okay. So look at, we put in the sins there. And look at what it will, it become, it will become like. Let's all read it. Go. Praise God. So, we are made partakers of Christ. Since who holds? We do what? So, it was given for us to hold. We did not give it to be able to hold it. Somebody did the work. And in his work, we have the ability to hold. We cannot hold it by ourselves. We cannot keep it by ourselves. Somebody holds it for us. And the one who began will finish it. Is it making sense? So we are not the ones who keep our salvation. No. He keeps it for us. How does he keep it for us? He has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He has equipped us to hold it. In his equipping, we hold it. We don't hold it because we achieved it. It is not in our strength. It is in his strength. Because he is the one who is faithful. It's not us. Is that very clear? So you can see that he was addressing believers because he said they are partakers. And we realize that partakers cannot be unbelievers because they can't share. Is that very clear? So firstly, the confidence of the believer was authored and perfected by Christ Jesus. Secondly, the believer's faith was altered and perfected by Jesus. We hold fast to the end. So we are not the ones to do it. Christ does it. He has given us the faith that would anchor and perfect this salvation to the end. I ask the question, is it magical? Why? Oh, why? Eh? By nature, by birth, it's in us. Why? Mm -hmm. Yes, you are, you are saying all this. Yes, he works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's powerful. Yes, that's true. But all of that, why? Because we, be, we believe. Okay, we believe in what? What Christ did. So we believe because the high priest has worked. The high priest sat down. So the high priest, his work is what is keeping us. It's what gives us the ability to hold to the end. He has done the work. Praise God. Please, don't write all of them down. Write all of them. Because the believer has a high priest who saves him to the uttermost. Completely, eternally, and perfectly. He makes intercessions for him eternally. Anchors and steadies his soul eternally. 
Praise God. Is that very clear? So it is not by us. It is in us by him. It is not by us. It is in us by who? Him. As a matter of fact, Apostle John also used the same word, parousia, in his epistle. 1 John 5.14. 1 John 5.14. The word confidence. Look at it. Go. Oh, right. Look at it. Everybody, go. Did you realize that? Who gave us the confidence? Ooh. That what? Oh, praise God. Go to the verse 1. Go to the verse 1 of the 514. Go. And everyone who loves him. Go to the verse 11 and 13. Go. This is the testimony that God has given us what? Eternal life. Uh-huh. And this life is in his son. Who has... Uh-huh. uh-huh. Does not have what? Life. Mm -hmm. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Then 14, go. And now. So where is your confidence? Why? We have his life. Our confidence is not in ourselves. So we are not the one who is holding our salvation and holding fast to the hand. No. He has wired in us the confidence and he holds us to hold on. Praise God. To the end. And that's why when you are saved, you are what? Saved forever. You are either saved or you are not what? Saved. Simple. Either saved or you're not saved. So when he says now, you understand it. The preceding verse, clear. What does the preceding verse say? Go. Yes, you are reading right. These things I have what? Written to you. Who? Mm -hmm. That you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son uh-huh. And then he says what? Now. This is the. So what is our confidence? Our belief in him. Praise God. Now. So I tell you something. And after telling I say now you can take it. It is what I told you that gives you now what it takes to have it. Is that very clear? So the scripture. Hebrews 3.14 is not saying that you lose your salvation. If you don't hold, you are not the one to hold. He is the one who is faithful. We sing the song. He has promised I will hang on him. I will hang on him. He has promised Come on now. Say, my faithfulness. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is not your faithfulness. It is whose faithfulness? 
Christ's faithfulness. Praise God. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth.